The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journey, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And we've got a great show for you today on Guys Guys Radio. We're going we're gonna to address the question that may, many people have on their minds, what happens when we die? My very special guest is Dimitri Moretis. He was on the show a few years ago. He compiled a book with Barbara Y. Martin, one of the world's most foremost channelers and psychics. They wrote this book called Change Your Aura, Change Your Life. It's one of the classic books about auras and one of the first big, big books about auras out there. So Dimitri was on a few years ago and they put this new book about, it's called Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. Barbara and Dimitri put this together and Dimitri is going to come on the show and we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into Based on Barbara's work and channeling and her psychic work, what happens when we pass? And apparently there's a lot of surprises there. It doesn't sound like there's anything to really be afraid of. I know a lot of people think when they die, they're going to get judged bad, good, bad, good, and they're going to get punished. It doesn't sound like that's really the case, that it's punishment. It's really about how fast can we all raise our frequency and ascend. And based on kind of our behavior here and the 3D dimension and on earth and how we treat our fellow men and women will determine kind of what level we get to. And then we've got to work our way from there. So it's not punishment, but you've got to work it through. And it sounds like a reasonable, sounds fair to me. It's a metocracy out there in metaphysical land. (laughs) So have you seen that we're getting into the holiday season? There's a lot of good movies and stuff that come out at this time of year. I just saw the James Bond movie, No Time to Die. I thought it was terrific. I thought it was one of the better ones. I didn't really care for the last two, um, but this one I thought was a really nice send-off and has a big question mark at the end. I won't give it away, and you'll say, well, how are they going to work their way around this for the next Bond movie? But you'll see what I mean. But I think they did a good job on this one. I also just finished watching the whole eight-hour Let It Be documentary about the Beatles. And wow, that was really terrific. I mean, there's the Beatles and the Stones going back to the 60s, the two bands that really have kind of defined the classic rock genre, the British invasion, and they've kind of last in their own ways. The Beatles still sell tons of albums. Their songs are timeless and classic and wonderful. And then you've got the Stones who are like grittier, and uh, they toured and uh, continue to create new music and continue to deal with all the different fads and trends that have happened with music over the past 50 years, while the Beatles have not existed except for their wonderful catalog of music and uh, the solo efforts of Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr are still out there, but the Stones are still the Stones. I know they lost Charlie Watts, their beloved drummer this year, but they're still out there touring. They just finished up a tour and apparently they're pretty far down the road finishing up a new album that'll come out in time for their 
60th anniversary tour and uh, celebration next year. So we've got the Stones there. There's kind of apples and oranges, and you've got the Beatles. And I think if you watch Let It Be, you'll get a real feel for the dynamic, uh, the interpersonal relationships between the Beatles, the struggles that each one of them had. Paul McCartney is a music machine, a guy such an incredibly prolific songwriter. His songs are wonderful. John Lennon, he's there with Yoko in this. And I think he really needs her as his muse by his side. And he's very chill and he's very understanding. And he is kind of like the quiet leader of the Beatles. And then you've got Ringo Starr, who he's perfect drummer for the Beatles. He doesn't say too much and he gets a lot of direction from his other bandmates and he never pushes back. But he does a wonderful job drumming, obviously, as his drumming's perfect for the Beatles. And then you've got George Harrison, who had a hard time getting his songs included in the Beatles albums. And it's one of the one of the pressure points for why the Beatles broke up. I think George Harrison really had a lot of good songs and felt like he wasn't getting them showcased enough. I mean, they rejected, I think, All Things Must Pass and a couple of big songs by him that showed up on his All Things Must Pass triple album that came out after the Beatles broke up. But, you know, you think of it this way. Abbey Road, I think, was the last album the Beatles recorded, and that included Something and Here Comes the Sun. So I think George Harrison had music writing chops, and it's just an abundance of talent with the Beatles. So anyhow, if you haven't checked it out, really good, really interesting, obviously. It takes a while, but if you're interested in seeing how the collaborative creative process works from real geniuses who are young and in their prime, the Beatles, it's a real peek behind the curtain, fly-in-the-wall type of view of the Beatles making music, and it was really terrific, and the story was set up to have an emotional payoff at the end when they played their final concert together, and it's just very well done. So anyhow, Guys Guys Radio, now let's move to our next subject. We're going to talk about the afterlife with our special guest, Dimitri Moretis. Let's get on right now. Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, my favorite portion of the show is when I bring my very special guests on the air, and I've got a great one today. His name is Dimitri Moretis. He's a co-founder and co-spiritual director of Spiritual Arts Institute in nearby Encinitas, California. I'm down here, as you know, in San Diego now. He's a metaphysical teacher, healer, co-author of numerous books, and co-creator of course curriculums with Barbara Y. Martin. Their seminal book, Change Your Aura, Change Your Life, along with Communing with the Divine, Karma and Reincarnation, and the Healing Power of Your Aura. And today we're going to discuss Barbara and Dimitri's latest book, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. So it's heavy-duty stuff, but we're going to make it fun. The book has been called An Exciting, Clairvoyant Exploration of Life in the Hereafter and How the Divine World Supports You Here and Now. And it's a treasure trove of mystic wisdom. It's a lot of fun. It's a beautiful book. It's out as of October 13th. Welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, Dimitri Moriatis. Well, hi, Robert. Glad to thank you for having me on your show again. It's a delight. My pleasure. And you guys uh, did a wonderful job with this book. It's really a beautiful book, and it's got a lot of very, very helpful information, particularly for anybody who's on the path of spiritual unfoldment. It really it explains things very simply and clearly, and it gives you a lot to think about. And there's a lot of meditations and practices in there that I think anybody can benefit from. So I, I highly endorse this book. 
heaven and your spiritual evolution. So let's get right at it. I'm going to start you out with an easy question. <laughs> Why are we here? And what is the meaning of life? <laughs> Who am I? What is it all about? <laughs> What's it all about, Alfie? <laughs> yeah. Um, boy, that's a big question. We all ask that, right? We wonder, well, we know why am I here if I'm going to have, let's say, a family or I want to have this job or I have a passion to accomplish something. I want to climb Mount Everest, you know, those kinds of things can. So we have activities and things that we're engaged in. But then when we start to step back and say, well, what's it really all about? And why are we really here? Well, again, you're, you've got a metaphysician on your show. So we take it from the spiritual perspective. And we say the reason we're here is actually spiritual, not physical. The physical is the result of the spiritual activity. And metaphysics would say this is a school. Earth is a school. And like any school, we're here for a certain period of time. We're born. You know, we're going to pass on one day. And the time that we're here is not just random haphazard experiences, even though sometimes they may feel like that, they're part of a plan, they're part of a design, and they're part of our education. So we would say the point here is to grow spiritually. Is is the 3D experience that we're going through necessary for our ascension? Or do some people, quote unquote, I say people, follow a different path of spiritual unfoldment and soul growth in other places, other galaxies, other dimensions, etc.? Well, again, that's a massive question. You know, there's a big movement now, even in the scientific community, to say that the universe is alive. The universe has consciousness. And it's not, you know, we, we tend to think of life as only, you know, organic, you're alive, but, not, you know, the earth is not alive and that kind of thing. And so we have to say that the universe really is alive and there it is populated in different dimensions with life evolving and developing and growing. But to go back to your first question, we have to come here in physical life to learn. Because, you know, like that song, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. We have to show that we can accomplish the things with the challenges of physical life here. And that means we've truly learned it. So yes, that means don't run away from the challenges of life. Don't run away from the opportunities of life. They're all part of your growing experiences. And what you want is you want to glean the wisdom that the experiences are offering. You know, we go through a lot of experiences in life and then ultimately we, we pass. What happens when we pass? Okay, so. Another easy question. Yeah, you go right. <laughs> so, so, of course, the question many ask, is there life beyond the physical veil? Does consciousness die with the body? And metaphysics would say, no, we are not our body. We inhabit a body. The consciousness is inhabiting this body. And when the body does go dust to dust, the consciousness, the soul will go on. And it will go to what we call the other side, where it will gather up, kind of assimilate the experiences that it got down here, gather more experiences there, and then come for another lap on earth. Because we teach in metaphysics that you reincarnate. You really do. You do come back again. Like okay. in school. If, if, if we are constantly recycling lives, then what, what is that process and what are the rules for determining where we're born, either on earth or someplace else? And how do we determine what we need to learn in each incarnation? 
Well, the way to think of it again is a little bit like each incarnation, each life is like a grade in school. So there's an overall curriculum that we have to learn from our first steps in the physical life to the time that we, shall we call it, spiritually mature. The East Indian philosophies say, call the reincarnation the cycle of necessity. You have to reincarnate. But then we're trying to get off the wheel. We're trying to get off the reincarnating cycle. And we do that through the process of evolution. So every life is an opportunity to learn different facets. You know, you're learning something in this life, your previous life, you were bringing maybe other talents and skills. In your future life, you'll be bringing other talents and skills. And eventually you're going to accumulate it all into this beautiful spiritual mastery, spiritual maturity, where you have not just developed one part of your nature, but all parts of your nature. Dimitri, are people rewarded for their good deeds and punished for their for their bad <laughs> bad actions? Yeah, you know, that's a human thinking, you know, am I going to get that gold star because I've been so good? Or am I going to get the dunce cap because I've, I've been so smart? <laughs> um, the way to think of it more is like attracting like. You are going to receive, shall we say in the hereafter, what you've earned through the light you've earned, not because you've been good or bad. But the point is, if I'm living just a terrible life, I'm not building up a lot of spiritual power and I'm not contributing to life. I'm kind of causing problems. So I may not find myself on the other side in such a beautiful place, not because I'm being punished, but because I just haven't earned the energy for that. On the other hand, if I'm living a life of Mother Teresa, an entire always giving, 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 I'm building up a lot of power so that I will find myself on the other side in a more beautiful, not necessarily because she's being rewarded, let's say, but because she earned it. You know, you don't say, you know, am I being good? I'll be a doctor. You have to earn that medical degree, you know, and that's the way it is in metaphysics and spiritual development. You have to earn it. What then is heaven then? Is it an actual place, a state of consciousness, both and what are the expectations during our lives at the time of our death? Does, it, does that impact what, what we see when we pass over? Well, you just said it. It's both. So um, heaven is a state of consciousness that we actually have to embody here in the physical world. And it's also a literal place to go to. So our, our theme, it was almost going to be the title of the whole book, you don't go to heaven, you grow to heaven. You evolve there gradually. It's many, it's like saying you don't go from kindergarten to your you know, doctorate degree in a year. You still have to go through the stages, but you can have the potential for the doctorate degree. And we do say that all souls are destined for greatness. It's not a matter of if, it's just simply a matter of when. And we're all at a different, like in school, some are in first grade, some are in second, third, fourth, fifth. We're just in different stages of development. There's no judgment. We're all equally precious, but we're not all equally in the same place in the, the overall plan. And that's the beauty. It kind of creates this chain of life. So we help those that are maybe not as far along as we, and we look up to those that are further along than we are. And it kind of all works together when it's all working together. <laughs> so if, if time as we know it is not linear uh, and everything's happening at once, when we die, could we be with our children who are still alive? In other words, how, do, how does time work and in, impact all of this? And I'm not, I'm not throwing that one at you as a 
trick question, but yeah, no, it, no, it, it's oh, it's oh. one that's it's one that's you know it's like it's it's like we're we're a little person, but we're part of a bigger thing. So that's why exactly. it's happening all exactly. at once. Is that it? Not all at once. I, I would maybe slightly vary that. Okay. What metaphysics would say is there is no past or future. There is only the now. God doesn't live in the past. God doesn't live in the future. God lives in the eternal present. So what's happening is the present is unfolding in what we call time, which is duration, and things happening in a sequence of activity. So your soul, my soul, is eternal. It has no beginning or end, but it's unfolding in time because it's learning the process. So now, whether you see your children on the other side, if when, when it's your time to pass, your children are here, you're on the other side. So it's really like being in two countries. You're, you may be in New York, your children may be in Los Angeles. You're not in the same place, but it doesn't mean you're, you're not both alive and active and all of that. And it doesn't mean that you can't bless your children from the other side or your children can't pray for you here. My special guest on Guys Guys Radio is Dimitri Moretis, his partner, Barbara Y. Martin. They put together this beautiful book called Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. Great conversation here. If everything's happening all at once then, Dimitri, do we always incarnate into future lives on a graduated scale, or could we potentially go backwards? In other words, could we pass and then you end up in the 1700s? No, 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 that wouldn't happen. But um, again, like like learning, you're, you're hopefully grading. But what does happen, and this is what we do have to be careful of, is, and we share this in our classes, evolution is not always a straight line upward. We hope each life is better than the one before it. But sometimes we do goof it up. And it's more like a stock market graph. It's kind of up and down. If you were to look at the arc of your lives, you would see lives we did marvelous things. And this is for all of us. I'd see lives where I didn't do such great things. But the overall arc is upward. So there can be a downward moment in evolution, but not in time. So, and now there's another thing too. Let's say in the 1700s, I did something that was not so great. Here I am in 20, in the you know 21st century. So I may have to clean up some karma from the 1700s, even though I'm here in the 21st century. And you may even be, I may even be, involved with people that I knew in the 17th century, who I owe karma to. And um, it's a different relationship, but it's the same soul. And we're back together to resolve all of that. The, the book I, is broken up in a really nice way in that you there's certain levels, there's the astral level, and then there's heaven. And a lot of people think that heaven is that that's the be all end all, but it's not apparently there's a celestial level. And within these levels, I mean, first, the book seems to start with and correct me if I'm wrong, Dimitri, that there's some a preparation and there's some understanding that we have to go through and then we get to this astral level and there's seven levels there till you get to what is called enlightenment and we a lot of times think oh enlightenment that's the be all end all but it's not because after that then there's seven kingdoms of heaven and after right. that there's seven celestial light kingdoms how, how does that all work and um why the number seven well the first way to think of it you know the bible says in my father's house are many mansions so uh, in the ancient days, they often referred to the heaven worlds as palaces or mansions, almost like places you inhabited, because I guess it was the way of teaching it um, at that time. But the idea to think of is the other place isn't, the other side isn't one 
place. It's many places. There are, and like you're saying, there are many levels and they are actual places that you can be. That's not dreamland or fantasy land. It's more real than here. They call this the world of illusion and the other side, the real world. And it's also geared according to levels of consciousness. So you will find yourself on the other side in an environment with very different people, but of the same more or less vibration. Here, it's very different. You could have a very evil soul standing next to a very enlightened soul, and they could be physically in the same room together. That would be less likely on the other side. So it, it graduates to more refined levels of development. You know, it's like you climb one mountain, you say, oh, wow, how beautiful. Oh, my God, there's another mountain. Look at that one. You know, and I find that makes life exciting because it would be terrible to think that you hit this certain point and you spend eternity on clouds playing harps. I mean, that's going to get dull after a while. Um, I want to know there's more adventures. <laughs> you know? Speak, speaking of that, Dimitri, when, when you're in heaven, I'll put it in quotes because there's different levels of heaven. And for some, we know the earthly plane and the earthly delight. Can you play the guitar? Can you play golf? Can you have sex? Can you whatever? What goes on there? Is it a is it a learning experience? Is it because in, within the book there's te- there's pictures of what looks like these uh, almost like universities of uh, love and knowledge and yeah, understanding, yeah, yeah. and there's a lot yeah. of teaching and learning that goes on. And, and I'm wondering where things that we're used to in this incarnation do they occur? Uh, can we tap into them? Some people want to drive a sports car. Can they, they be you know can they be tooling around in a Lamborghini then? Uh, if they're in heaven, because that would be a place where all things are possible whenever they want. Well, first of all, let me just take a moment about those illustrations. Um, you know, one of the things, and um, you know, is that the book is based a lot on Barbara's own experiences, mm-hmm. and we met this wonderful artist who spent basically his life working with, like Flower Newhouse, who was a, also a clairvoyant. He had his own intuitive understandings of the other side to try to depict again, as much as can be done on a canvas, what the feeling and idea of the inner world is about. And those illustrations, I think, have done a remarkable job of trying to describe something that's very difficult to describe. And what we tried to do in the book, it's like, if you had to draw only eight pictures of planet Earth, and this is what you were going to tell somebody from another planet what the Earth was like, what eight pictures would you pick? You know, (laughs) It would be pretty hard to try to par it down to that. So what we did is we tried to show the stages of development. So each plane, each dimension of life is a different stage of development. But to answer your initial question, the other side is actually, there are dimensions of the other side, especially in the astral, that are very familiar. It would be very disconcerting if we crossed over to a place that we couldn't relate to. We'd feel so disjointed, we wouldn't be able to function. As a matter of fact, there are dimensions on the other side that are so much like Earth. When people cross over who have no thought of any of this, they don't even think they've died. They say, what do you mean? I'm seeing you. I'm talking to you. You're talking to me. I'm not dead. And when they realize they're not where they think they are, they can go into kind of a shock for a while to adjust to their thinking. So the other thing I would say is, and this is a big point in the book, because some may say, okay, it's great that we have these worlds, but what about today? I'm not dying today, hopefully. So is this something I should think about when it's my time to cross over? No. Every great idea, every invention, the car, all of that 
came from inspiration from the inner worlds. The inner worlds are the source of inspiration. So we want to connect with those inner worlds now because that's where we're getting our ideas. So yes, everything here was first essentially designed there. I'm not saying you're running around in Lamborghinis on the other side, but the idea of the car was created there first. And then the inventors here came up with the idea. So it's all there out in the, it's in our field. Everything exists actually in our field. We just have to learn while we're here how to uh, kind of access it it and tap into it. Everything. Okay. Well, and especially what you need to do. Let's say you have special things, Robert, that you have to accomplish in this life that maybe you prepared for before you began your incarnation. And now you've got to make sure you're tapping those things because, I mean, you and I may not come up with the next theory of relativity, but we're going to come up with something else. But Einstein, that was his part of his mission to bring that through. So, Dimitri, how can then people find their kind of sole purpose, uh, what what they're here for? Because sometimes, you know, you, you get a voice in your head and you really listen to it and you learn to trust it. Sometimes it just seems like noise. And then after a while, you get answers very quickly and it's and the process speeds right. up. But for a lot of people, they're wondering, like, am I just talking to myself? And how do you really connect with your keeper of the threshold and your you know, guardian angels and uh, those entities that are apparently out there helping us all the time? How, how do we make those connections? Well, you, so you, you just kind of said it. You just started to say it, it's a process. You have to learn to quiet the noise in the head with genuine intuition and inspiration. And you have to think of it as almost like two different radio stations. You know, you have to tune in and they're not the same vibration. Now, if I really want something, I'm gonna to listen to myself, right? But if I'm thinking, well, what's the best thing to do, then I may actually start to hear that inner voice and apply it. Now, it does help and to do what we call meditation and prayer. Your ability, your your practice, I should say, of stepping away from life temporarily, active life, and getting into the inner you through the meditative practice helps you to tune in to the inner part of you. And meditation is the foundation of everything that we do. You mentioned the Change Your Aura book. That is the meditation book, Meditate with Divine Light. This book is telling the world now who we are. We're a spiritual growth organization. But we definitely recommend anybody on the path meditation and prayer are essential to get more in tune with that inner part of you a couple of questions about auras because dimitri you and barbara why martin put together that wonderful book change your aura change your life and it's a can you see auras i'm learning that skill i'm learning that skill now barbara's the master at it Uh, okay now but i want to say too and i really want to celebrate her a little bit because really this is her, her, her celebration you know she she at three years old, she started to see energies and her clairvoyant skills started to open up, but she didn't understand exactly what she was seeing. She said, I knew I was attracted. People had beautiful colors and energies and detracted if they didn't. But it wasn't until she was about 11 that she met somebody who could also have these mystic skills and even told her what the word was. You know, oh, you can see the aura and Barbara's mouth job is that's what it's called. You know, this is the depression era now we're talking stuff, period, right? And then started teaching her how to interpret. Exactly, you have maybe an emerald green around you. What does that mean? Then in her, wasn't until her 20s that she met another great soul that started to teach her how to become a teacher. So what I say is she was seen or is at three years old, 
and by the way, not just little splashes of color, I'm talking about auras. Um, and then at 11, got her first training, again in her 20s, but wasn't teaching to almost her 40s. So it's this very gradual process, of not only being clairvoyant, but being a trained clairvoyant. And now you're really asking the question, can you learn it? Because I was not born with the gift of seeing auras, but it is something that can be learned, but it is a byproduct of your spiritual development. So as you're developing yourself spiritually, those mystic talents start to awaken. And yes, uh, Barb is helping me with that right now so I can carry the torch. I'm not saying I'm going to be her, but to carry the torch you know, beyond her tenure. And that's the plan to keep the tradition going. My very special guest, Dimitri Moretis, the book, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution. I'm loving this conversation. Dimitri, what are some of the pitfalls that stop people in their spiritual progression? And what's the significance of these pitfalls? And how do you work with white light? When spirit or energy beings come to you and you ask, it's kind of a separate question, but work with me on this. Um, you know, when entities show up, we're taught to ask them, do you come from the divine white light? So I guess the pitfalls are connected to these negative energies that are out there. How do, how do we navigate that stuff? Oh, wow. You're, you're, you're bringing up a section of the book where we talk about the pitfalls right. of the past. Yes. And it's a, it's a difficult subject because, look, like anything in life, you know, not everything labeled spiritual is, in fact, spiritual. There are con people out there. There are false prophets out there. And especially now with the interest blossoming, there are more of those false people out there. And you have to start to discern the difference between the two. Now, again, this is a bit of a test for us. Uh, there's a beautiful expression, right? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. So the question is, you have to first start looking at yourself. What is motivating me to do things and seeking all of this out? And if you're sensing there's selfish purposes, you have to start turning that around because the world of spirit is actually sort of about emptying yourself and serving others and serving the greater good. So if you're just thinking, what am I getting out of this for me? Well, you might attract a false prophet because they'll, they know that and they say, oh, I'll promise you this. I'll promise you that. I'll, I can make you a deal that, you know, would be so terrific for you. And you might fall for that. Now, as far as acknowledging presences coming around you, and I'm going to get a little bit technical for a moment. Okay. Um, we have our beautiful aura that you mentioned. We have the chakras within the aura. But we have, which often people don't know about, there's another chakra way above the head, almost like two feet. And this is not part of our direct aura, but it's it's connected and it's holding the energy of the divine ones. So what you have to do is you have to reach into that level. And that's where you can start communing with the angels, not so much psychically, but through your own mystical nature. And that, that takes a little bit of work to do, but it's a beautiful road. And again, I've been on that road a long time and the presence of the Holy Ones, as we call them, is absolutely unmistakable. You cannot, for, you cannot counterfeit that vibration. Let's put it that way. So if you're in, if you meditate uh, on a regular basis and you want to connect with your uh, sentient beings and the keeper of the threshold and your guardian angels and others, what's the best methodology for that? Or is it just meditate and, uh, go as you go and uh, learn as you learn? Well, we have a whole process for that. 
Um, and again, it's like anything, it, it, it takes time to build. So for example, in our meditative practice, we say there are the six steps of meditating with divine light. And that starts to, you have to first, um, you have to first start building the connection to your own higher nature. Because remember, the divine ones are not, you know, there are enlightened humans on the other side. But when you're talking about the angels and things like that, they're not human. So they don't relate to us on a human level. So we have to get to that place where we're kind of in our own divine nature. And that's the part of us that they can start to connect with. And meditation certainly helps. And by the way, I do want to say this, regardless of your awareness of these divine ones, they help us every day of our life. I love that line in the Talmud, for every blade of grass, there's an angel bending over saying grow. So we are lovingly supported by the higher right now. It's not if we're supported. What we're trying to do is build a more direct bridge to them. And even the intention that you're describing now helps because if I start realizing I do have this divine assistance, it's helping me to connect with them rather than saying, oh, come on, it's just fantasy. The soul family, that's a concept I want you to uh, articulate to our, our audience. What, what is that? Can we interact with our soul family or is this just a group of folks that we meet when we're on the other side that are different than uh, or could be some of the same members that we are dealing with here? Well, how, how, what is the soul family? What's the purpose? Can we work with them? Should we work with them? What's it all about? Well, I think in some ways that term is a little bit misused. Um, and I'm glad you're saying it so we can maybe set the record straight. And again, you're asking some great questions about reincarnation, and I'm happy to dive into that world. <laughs> but the point is, for example, when you look at your family, your parents or your siblings or the children that you have, you better believe you've known these people in other lives. This is not the first time. And many times we will, not necessarily every single incarnation in sequence, but if you look at a series of incarnations, you will notice, gosh, I've spent a lot of time with certain people. We may have very different relationships in one lifetime. Maybe we're husband and wife, another lifetime, you know, brother and sister or brother and brother, whatever. You know, it may vary from life, but it's the same soul. And it does tend to be certain souls. And some have used the term group. But it's not like, oh, we have to go with this group and that's it. No, there's many that we interact with. But if you look at your many lives, you will notice I've had some deep interactions with certain souls over many lives. And that just makes for a more beautiful relationship. Why are so, some bonds with other people so deep? It goes beyond just this life. you know. And that's a beautiful thing that we can know each other Oh, yeah, you're the one from the 1400s that I knew. From, <laughs> you know, it's just you, you pick up sort of where you left off. And I, I think that's, a again, a beautiful thought because it teaches that no love is lost. You know, I'd hate to think that we have a beautiful relationship with someone. We pass over to the other side and we'll never see him again. That's the end of it. How yeah. about those that we may not get along with? Could it be that uh, in other incarnations we didn't get along either or, or did they make an agreement with us, like, I'm going to come in to this incarnation with you to teach you something by being a royal pain in the rear. <laughs> well, boy, that's another great karma. Um, so let's, let's, let's factor karma into that. How does, how does that all work? And can you cancel contracts and uh, 
past karma if, no, if no, you no. determine that they no longer align with your highest vibrational frequency and chosen timeline. Okay, so let's remember now, the design of our life is put into motion by an intelligence greater than ourselves. You go to school on earth to learn things you don't know. That's why you have teachers. If you knew everything, then you wouldn't need to come here. So we don't self-create the life. Now, the point we have to understand here is, and I'm, I'll give an example. Let's say somebody really mistreated somebody else in a past life. And the person that was mistreated developed a grudge. And it was never resolved. One of the things we say is never go to your grave with a grudge. That's a sure sign you're back to see each other again. Forgive, forgive, forgive. No matter what the offense, forgive. But if it's unresolved, you're going to come back in a future lifetime together. And that person that was hurt is going to be unconsciously angry with the other person. So they may come across as a bully or a mean person, but ironically, the issue is not them, the issue is you. You created that scenario, and now you're seeing it back in your face again so that you can work it out. So what we're saying is be careful with the challenging relationships. They are your opportunities because you might be facing something you yourself created. Now, I'm not saying every person's like this, but we're talking about the karmic dimension. So when we do this in our classes, it's often, you know, some say, oh, you know, this family member, I can't, they're, they're so mean to me and all this is happening. And how can I be? And when they realize they're the cause of it from another life, their attitude changes. And sometimes they're shocked that the attitude of the other person ends up changing. And there's a tremendous okay. healing that starts to take place. Let's take that into a practical example. Let's say you have a family member and they, they're always angry with you. You don't know why. And, um, but you go to your grave and you forgive them, but they don't forgive you. Theoretically, what would happen in the next incarnation? Well, if we have hurts, again, I'm speaking karmically and not specifically, yes. right? But if I have injured someone and it's not resolved, then I have to keep coming back till it's resolved. Because it's an uh, karma is like the balancer. There's something that's unbalanced. And if it's still unbalanced, it's my job because I created it. Again, this is not punishment or reward. This is like, I made this happen. I spilled the milk. I can't just pick up part of the milk. I've got to pick up all the milk that's spilled. But the beauty is you will balance it. And what you want to not do is be reactive, because what happens is we tend to say, oh, I'll never have anything to do with you, when really, you really need to have something to do with them. So this is the point is, be very, of all the karmas to watch out for, in some ways, watch your relationship ones the most. Because it's not easy bringing people together to work things out. And even if it's a little tough, just see that, like you just said before, see that bigger picture, that there is a bigger picture, and that you're learning through all of this. Your soul is learning and growing. And you may be surprised at how things work out. And when you're planning your return to another incarnation, what are some of the factors? I know you have there's certain lessons to learn, but why can somebody come back as Derek Jeter or Mick Jagger and other people come back as uh, 
you know, somebody who cleans out the latrines or whatever. How, how, how does? Well, we've all had those lifetimes of cleaning out the (laughs) latrines, all right? No one escapes those jobs, all right? (laughs) Including the Mick Jaggers and the other and the other, okay? (laughs) So again, if you look at the full picture of it, we have done it all. We've been, you know, the rich, the poor, the smart, the dumb, the woman, the male. We've done it all. We've been all, all the religion, you know, the religions, all the races of the world. We have, you look at the scope of it, you know, I like to refer to acting in this. I, I used to do some acting years ago. And, you know, a good actor wants to play a variety of roles because it deepens their skill and understanding of humanity as an actor. If you're always playing the same role, you get a little one-dimensional. So if if certain musicians, let's say, let's take a Beethoven, he built that over lifetimes. It didn't just, he just didn't just come in as Beethoven. Mozart didn't just come in as Mozart. They earn that through many incarnations. Barbara, you says, Barbara, well, can I be clairvoyant like you? And she would say, yes, but, you know, I spent lifetimes building this up. It wasn't just today, you know, in this life. So we come in with the strengths and talents that we've earned from our past things. And that's why not only do you want to work on the blemishes of your life, you want to work on the talents. If you have a natural talent for something, are you ignoring it? Because that didn't just happen. You know, are you utilizing your skills to the fullness, to the fullness, not just sort of, but to the fullness of it? How can people balance the practicalities of dealing with our 3D uh, lives and our uh, obligations versus uh, wanting to work on our spiritual path? Like some people, I was talking to somebody the other day, they weren't sure what they should do. They're not working right now by choice, very highly educated person. And um I said, well, what do you want? What's your plan? I don't know. I'm getting all these downloads on different things. And I'm like, okay, cool. But how, how did, But at a certain point, you know, you have to pay your monthly bill. Right, right. How, how do people who are on this spiritual path and things start to accelerate, how, how do they best manage that? Because I think that's happening with a lot of folks now. Yeah, They're like, yeah. I don't know if I wanted, people are leaving their jobs, people are moving right. out of the cities. Right. People are saying, this, this is just nonsense here. How, how can people, what's the best way for people to navigate all these changes? Well, I, I think you're, you're hitting on a very important point. It is a resetting time. It is a changing of the era. It's not just we went through a, a pandemic. Like you said, it's it's triggered deeper things. And there's a natural change going on, a reassessment. Is this really what I want to do with my life? And people are thinking, yeah, I think that's why some are not jumping back into the workforce right now because there's a reassessment going on at the moment. And sometimes we have to go through that. But one thing we want to share very clearly to anybody listening here, you don't have an earth life and a spiritual life. They're not separate. You have all of it is spiritual. So your job is part of your spiritual growth. Your relationships are part of spiritual growth. Your finances are part of your spirit. It's all part of the divine life. And when you see it in that light, then you don't say, you don't have to segment. You don't have to say, no, this is this is the mundane stuff. I guess I have to do it. You know, and this is the fun stuff that I love to do. You see, it's all part of the grand plan. And then the, the littlest thing you treat with the same reverence as the most profound thing. How can people best and most effectively surrender to God? It's easy to say, hey, I surrender. And then you keep doing the same things. How can they do that to really make a difference? Because my understanding is from your book and from other uh, spiritual texts I read that it's, that's a very important thing to do. 
It yeah. takes the ego out of the equation, basically. But right. what's the best advice for how people can do that and not just do it by word, but through deed? Well, again, you're hitting the nail on the head because we start with a thought, but until the thought, you know, we start up here, but until it moves down here to the heart, until we're living the truth, you could say, you know, the people that go to church on Sunday and Monday, they're cheating their partners, right? <laughs> so it's it's lip service, right? It's not really living it. So it goes back to living the laws. It sounds like to living the spiritual life. God is not just out there somewhere. One of the things we say in the book, God is closer than hands and feet. You have a presence of God within you. And you have to start unfolding. And the first place is to truly recognize that God is there. Don't get caught up in institutional ideas. Because sometimes let's say people had an upbringing in a certain religion, maybe they had some bad experiences. Well, if that's what God's about, I want to have nothing to do with it. Don't blame people for the, you know, don't blame God for people's mistakes. You are developing a direct one-on-one -on -one relationship with the infinite intelligence that created this entire universe. And that infinite intelligence loves you and is with you already and like a loving parent, is wanting you to connect with them. So with prayer, that's your petition. That's your, your, God, I know you're there. I may not understand you fully, but teach me. And that you will get a response. And maybe instead of looking up, we look here, inside, uh, oh, because God is within both. us, right? We yeah, don't want that separate. God is above, yeah. 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 I'm, with, I'm looking up to the... Around us, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, great chat and uh, learned so much here. Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. The book is by Dimitri Moriatis and Barbara Y. Martin. And I want you to tell everybody where they can learn more about you and Barbara and your teachings. But what does Barbara have to say about what's going on now? And is well, the outlook all, positive? Um, we, we have the Spiritual Arts Institute, our nonprofit organization, and like you mentioned, Encinitas, California, but we teach globally via the internet. We were, we've been doing that since 2006, so we were doing video long before <laughs> the pandemic era, so we've really kind of honed it down. We have classes and workshops. You can go to spiritualarts.org. Again, it's Spiritual Arts Institute, and the reason we did that, we created the nonprofit is to give a home for these teachings. They're so encyclopedic, there's so much to learn that it's not just a quick six week class. We have programs at various levels and also just this beautiful community of people. One of the most exciting things of all of this is you're working with other people that are on their journey too. And you're sharing an intimacy that, you know, they say the ties of blood run deep, but the ties of spirit run deeper. And the fellowship is exciting and it's global, you know, and we do annual retreats and things like that. But we, we do have this time. As far as the world, I do, I'm do. i glad you're asking that. We do these Golden Chalice Fellowships that specifically talk about topical, prop, uh, topical issues. We know there are a lot of problems in the world. No question about it. But as the higher would share countless times, don't fall into the gloom and doom scenario. The world is getting better, not worse. If you compare the world to 100 years ago, even, uh, there's a book out about that right now, and how much things have been improved in 100 years. We are doing much better. Is there more to do? You better believe it, there's more to do. But let's keep things in perspective, because if you think 
it's all falling apart. You're less motivated to do something when you, but when you think, oh, like Gandhi said, I can be the change in the world that I seek, then you're going to be more vote, more motivated to do something. So focus on the things that are happening, that are improving and making things work. And when you see problems, pray for it, or if there's something you can do to change it, be the change instead of just complaining about it. I love it. Okay. Dimitri Moretis, thank you so much for coming back to Guys Guys Radio. Fantastic chat. Uh, God bless you and keep doing the great work. Say hello to Barbara. I've never met her, but I love what she's doing. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Robert. It's always a pleasure. You really prepared this extremely well. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do here on Guys Guys Radio. All right, Dimitri. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, what a fascinating interview with Dimitri Moretis talking about heaven and your spiritual evolution, a mystic's guide to the afterlife and reaching your highest potential and really what happens when we die, the process of evolving to heaven's world and uh, our ultimate destination, the different spiritual realms, astral, mental, causal, etheric, as well as heavenly dimensions, uh, the guidelines, and some meditative exercises that that help us align with our spiritual growth and the divine plan that we're all part of, and also the role of reincarnation angels, divine light, and your auric field, and how it factors into the evolutionary process, and also a couple of uh, guardrails as to how to avoid psychic dangers, pitfalls along the way of the spiritual path. Barbara Y. Martin and Dimitri put together this wonderful, wonderful book. And um, what did we learn? I think we learned that there's nothing to be afraid of when you pass. It sounds like, according to Barbara's channeling that um, and their clairvoyant practices, that there's different levels and we go to the level we are supposed to go to and when we keep learning. And uh, maybe we come back to earth, maybe we go someplace else, but it sounds like there's a recycling of souls and it's all headed in the same direction. And that is to get, become one with the universal God and universal energy and that we're all connected and we're all together. And it's, it's all about the love. And uh, when you pass, you're going to feel a lot of love. I think you've got to have love in your heart though, to really feel that. If you, if you think the world's a terrible place and you're filled with anger and hate, Maybe when you cross over, it's not going to be that pleasant of an experience initially, but ultimately, you know, we are surrounded by our uh, guides. And if you, if you keep an open mind and you believe and you're filled with gratitude, good, good things can happen. Um, it's, uh, I'm an optimist, and I think that despite all the crazy things happening in the world right now and the fact that it feels so dysfunctional, that... Um, If you continue to love, you continue to live a more heart-centered life, you continue to do your best to improve yourself, to serve mankind, to support your family, to love your brothers and sisters out there and do the best you can, I think we can make the world a better place. I think it's doable. It's not all doom and gloom. So don't take all that information that they give you in mainstream media and to make you afraid. Don't be afraid. There's a lot of love and there's a lot of good people out there. So anyhow, you can say I'm Pollyanna for feeling that way, but I just believe that there's a lot of good things that we can do and I'm an optimist about the future. And you know what? Every single one of my metaphysical and spiritual teachers, uh, metaphysical guests and spiritual teachers that I've interviewed on the show to a person, when I ask them, are you optimistic about the future? They all say yes. 
So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific Time on KCAA Terrestrial Radio here in Southern California, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. Once again, 8 p.m. Pacific Time, Wednesday evenings, prime time. We're also on a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. My podcast, the Guys Guys Radio podcast, is uh, launches every Thursday on over 30 global platforms. You can listen to the show wherever you, wherever you consume your podcasts. And also, we have a new YouTube channel, Robert Manny, Guys Guys TV. And what I would ask you to do, if you enjoy the content and the guests I bring you each and every week, please subscribe to the show, to the YouTube, and to uh, Apple uh, for the podcast or wherever else you uh, you sign up for your podcast because it really makes a difference. And we've got a lot of great shows coming up. We're heading towards our 500th show. We've got about 10 to go, 9 to go maybe now, and uh, very excited about that. So thank you so much. You can also catch me on my website, robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, all kinds of stuff on there. We've got videos. We've got news. You can also download three free chapters to my novel, The Source Material for Everything Guy's Guy. It's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And again, it's a novel. It's a story, but it's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been deemed the male successor to Sex in the City. Uh, women seem to have a lot of fun with it. And guys like it because there's not too many books in this genre that guys are willing to read, but they say, hey, this really captures who we are. And uh, so that makes me very, very, uh, it makes me feel really good that I could create a product that people are enjoying, both men and women. And it's got a message to it. It's not just a story. It's really about something. So anyhow, I hope you'll check that out. Okay, I'm here uh, once again every week. You can catch me on social media throughout the week. I post a lot of stuff, but I love doing the show. We've got a lot more ahead of us, and uh, I hope you stay safe and healthy and wise this holiday season. I'm going to see you again next week, and as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. Finish first.